This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'm Brandon Marcello. Uh, I am driving back from College Station to Houston right now. Yes, I'm driving and recording this. It's like talking into a phone. I've got my hand on the steering wheel and uh, a microphone in my hand. Is it illegal? Maybe. I don't know. But I think I'm pretty safe. I've got my eyes on the road. I've memorized as many stats as I can uh, so I can repeat them on this podcast. Auburn, a 28-20 to winner at Texas A&M. An impressive victory all around um one in which auburn dominated until you know late in the fourth quarter when a&m rallied and scored a couple of touchdowns and tried an onside kick to have maybe have an opportunity and have an incredible comeback but uh, auburn recovered the onside kick ran the clock out bo Nix picked up another big first down with his feet uh, on third and five uh sound familiar he did it on fourth and three to keep that game-winning drive alive against oregon in the season opener and auburn holds on to win um, the things that really stand out to me, which I'm sure stand out to you, is just how perfect I thought the start of the game was for Auburn's offense and what Gus Malzahn did scripting plays. Number two, the defense, specifically the rush defense for Auburn, uh, just incredible job by them uh, holding Texas A&M to 56 rush yards. By the way, <laughs> this is an incredible stat. 22 of those 56 yards came on a draw play on third and 30 when Auburn had a lot of men back. And then the other, and then 13 yards came on a run that ended in a fumble and a turnover for Texas A&M, which Auburn ended up scoring off of on the next possession. So 35 of of those 56 yards rushing for A&M came on those two plays. Otherwise it was about 21 yards rushing. That's incredible. And as I've said, the strength of this defense is the run defense because of that defensive line and the linebackers. Where you saw some holes, obviously, was in the passing game, but credit Kellen Mond and his receivers, who are very big, by the way, for finding a way uh, in tight coverage, by the way, to complete passes and move the ball down the field. But Auburn kept everything in front of them for the most part until the fourth quarter. Uh, Auburn was ahead 21-3 to at one point and then rebuilt that lead back to 18 with 28-10. But the difference in this game to me was how Gus Malzahn, of course, throughout the week, had continually preached, hey, we've got to start fast. And Auburn's done that 
you know, practically every time they've been uh, on the road at Texas A&M since 2013. Um, and that game was a shootout, of course, as you remember, with Nick Marshall and Trey Mason pulling it out at the end against Johnny Manziel. But this game, Auburn jumped out to a 14-0 uh, lead quickly. And they did it by attacking the perimeter. And if you read, uh, if you're a VIP member and read our three things I know, three things I think this week, our intel told us that Auburn's going to try some different things in the run game because A&M is aggressive with their blitzes. They felt like they could do some things on the perimeter. And Gus Malzahn said that after the game Saturday night as well. He said, hey, we felt like we could get some things going on the perimeter, and that's exactly what they did, whether it was zone read stuff with Bo Nix or, of course, that huge 57-yard touchdown run by Anthony Schwartz where, man, uh, it looked like two Texas A&M defenders had an angle on him, and he simply just split them and outran them to the end zone. An incredible run, showed world-class speed, and um, Deion Sanders took notice. He tweeted about uh, Anthony Schwartz during the game, talking about how fast he looked. Uh, That's some mad, mad respect there. But um, those plays and the game plan by Gus Malzahn on offense was, was pretty much perfect. I mean, their second drive, they had to punt, but the third drive, they marched down the field again and scored. And by the end of the first quarter, Auburn had 91 yards rushing against a Texas A&M rush defense that was only allowing 83 yards per game. And I know you might be sitting there going, well, who's A&M really faced? Well, they faced Clemson earlier this season in week two and held them in check running the football. Auburn finished with 193 rush yards in this game. A&M did a pretty good job keeping Auburn in check in the run game in the second and third quarters. Uh, I believe Auburn had a combined 33 rushing yards in those two quarters. But Auburn had 69 yards in the fourth quarter, including that amazing 12-play, 69-yard drive by Booby Whitlow. Um, I can't believe I'm I'm remembering all this stuff without looking at anything. (laughs) Uh, But that incredible, that 12-play drive, Booby Willow, I believe, had eight carries for 47 yards on that drive, including the eight-yard touchdown run uh, to put the game up. You know, it felt like the game was put away at that point, but, of course, A&M came back and and got within eight. But, really, Auburn kind of just dominated this game from start to about five minutes, six minutes left in in the game. Uh, but it, it was the best performance of the year by far by both the offense and the defense. And really, it could have been a blowout. And I say that because Bo Nix missed on three deep balls to three wide-open receivers. And Anthony Schwartz told me after the game, he said, you know, we probably could have scored two more touchdowns, maybe three, um, if we just get, you know, not put as much air under the ball. And Bo Nix knows that. They've got to fix that. And, you know, as our Keith Niebuhr was tweeting about, our our recruiting writer at Auburn Undercover, you know, he covered Bo Nix in high school. And Nix, if he had a weakness, was the deep ball. That wasn't really his strong suit in high school. Um, They can fix that. They can get that corrected, you would think. He's only a true freshman. But, you know, listen, what he did today and facilitating things in that offense, running it, um, was was quite remarkable. I mean, I know he was 12 of 20 passing. Everybody just looks at passing yards. 12 of 20 passing for 100 yards and one touchdown. 
By the way, that touchdown was on a nine-yard slant. So for everybody all always wondering, where are the slant routes? Where are the, middle, the routes in the middle of the field? Well, there you go. Seth Williams coming back from injury caught a nine-yard slant for a touchdown um, after that fumble on the 13-yard run to open the second half by AM on their first offensive play. Um, so he's just got to work on throwing the ball deep. But everything else, he seems to do a good job of facilitating the offense, reading things correctly. He has really, really improved on the zone read. You saw it the week before against Kent State that they were starting to break out more zone read plays for Bo Nix. And Gus Malzahn, as I've said on this podcast, told me, hey, you know, they're not afraid to run Nix 10 to 12 times in a game. And I I don't have the numbers in front of me. This is the one number I don't remember. I don't know how many times he ran the ball uh, against A&M. It may have been 12, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But he had like 32, 36 yards, something like that. And, of course, he had that big zone read run where he could have given it to Booby, but he was reading the defense, and he kept it, ran around the left side on third and five, and picked up the first down. A&M had no timeouts remaining, and Auburn was able to kneel the ball and protect the victory. So Nick's just does a good job of doing what he's got to do to win games, and that's all you can ask for from a true freshman quarterback as he continues to improve. And what's this is a little side note, but what's remarkable to me and hopefully I get to do a story on this this week. So I'm tipping my hand a little bit. But I, I've followed or covered Gus Malzahn most of his career, sort of. Um, I believe Gus Malzahn is undefeated every time he starts a true freshman quarterback. Jeremy Johnson, that one game he started as a true freshman uh, in 2013 when Nick Marshall was injured. I think it was Western Carolina, right? Uh, Bo Nix, of course, who's 4-0 right now. And Mitch Mustaine at Arkansas, who was 8-0 as a starter uh, for the Arkansas Razorbacks before he was benched by then-head coach Houston Nutt at Arkansas. So that's a combined, what, 13-0 with true freshman quarterbacks as a uh, coordinator or head coach, uh, including 5-0 at Auburn as the head coach. That's... That's interesting. I brought it up to him, and he said, wow, I didn't, never thought of that. And he just says, tells you how good those players are. Um, but I, I think a lot of it has to do with having a good run game around those guys. Mitch Mustaine had a good run game at Arkansas, obviously with Darren McFadden, a two-time Heisman runner-up uh, at running back. Um, uh, Jeremy Johnson, of course, had a great running back and you know, Trey Mason in that Western Carolina game, though that, that game was uh, you know, a pushover. And now with Bo Nix, the, the running game's really starting to heat up. They're starting to do some different things, as I said, with zone reads, hitting some perimeter things. And then there in the second half against Texas A&M today, as he's done most of the season in the second half, Booby Whitlow comes in and just demolishes people and kind of puts the game away. Um, I really liked Auburn's approach in this game. You know, people are we're sitting in the box. I think Booby Whitlow had, what, two carries for like minus four or four yards, something like that. Uh, in the first half, and everybody's like, I wonder when Whitlow might get more carries. Well, it was obvious Auburn didn't believe it could really have a lot of success running the ball up the middle. Uh, and I say that because it's on tape. A&M has done a really good job stopping teams running between uh, or behind the guards, I should say, behind the center. And that's kind of been Auburn's weak point, too, in, in the run game. So what they do, they bounce stuff outside, pulled guards, took advantage of 
A&M being a little bit aggressive, trying to go after Bo Nix and, 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 you know, and, and mess with his head in his first road game. And, and boy, did Auburn make them pay. The first 14 plays on offense for Auburn against Texas A&M uh, accounted for 130 yards. I think Auburn finished with like 291 or something like that total. <laughs> so 14 plays, first 14 plays, 130 yards. Uh, as I as I put it in our headline at Auburn Undercover, it's the perfect script. You know, coaches go in as play callers and they script out the first seven to eleven plays or something like that. And Malzon did that for this game as usual, and he had the perfect game plan to attack them. Now it didn't work in the second quarter or in the third quarter for the most part, but he found other ways to attack them in the third quarter with the short field and kind of keep the ball out of A&M's hands. Um, it, it was a great game plan. So I, I, I was impressed. I think it's a good sign moving forward. Just got to find a way to get Bo Nix and his receivers all on the same page with some of those deep routes. They did another flea flicker Saturday afternoon against A&M like they did against Kent State. Uh, the one against Kent State results in a touchdown, but this one, Nick's overthrew, and he overthrew two passes against Kent State, and he overthrew three uh, Saturday against Texas A&M. So he's got to improve that because you're going to leave points on the board. But I think it just goes to show you how much better Auburn is compared to Texas A&M. And I, I underestimate Auburn. I mean, I picked I picked Texas A&M this game 28-21. I just thought the the road crowd. Um, would be too much for Auburn and Bo Nix. I thought Auburn would maybe turn the ball over a time or two, but they didn't do that. Auburn protected the ball, didn't have a turnover, and they forced a turnover. And you do that, you win the turnover battle, you're going to win games. Auburn had not been winning the turnover battle this season in games, and they did it Saturday against A&M. It was really a, a, a great job by everyone. Okay, so moving forward, uh, we're going to talk about the defense a little bit and, of course, uh, what's coming down the road for Auburn. Uh, after this big win, after these messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, I'm back. Um, I'm about an hour outside of Houston now. Um, estimated arrival time, 10.27 p.m. Hopefully I get back to the hotel in time and I can get some delicious tacos from Velvet Taco. I, I, uh, I had some last night when I got into town Friday night. It was delicious. I, I never heard of it. I mean, I'm not like a foodie, even though I certainly look like I'm a foodie. <laughs> But uh, uh, 
man, it was delicious. So I'm definitely ordering it again when I get back to the hotel. Can't wait for that. And uh, get back and do some work. Maybe go on a Periscope, do some Auburn After Dark from Houston. And then we're going to jump on the plane tomorrow morning back to Atlanta. And then I got some business I got to take care of and then uh, be back in Auburn. Um, full coverage, of course, at AuburnUndercover.com on the press conference Sunday. Uh, anyway, so back to the A&M game and what's going to, moving forward. I want to talk about the defense. Uh, incredible job by them uh, against the run. It made, it made A&M one-dimensional. Give Kellen Mond all, all the yards he wants passing. It, didn't, it wouldn't matter, and it didn't matter. Um, that was, I'm sure that was the game plan. I, I don't know that for sure, but they just stuffed the run, guys. I mean, A&M's running backs in the first half combined for minus seven yards. That is insane. Insane numbers. I don't care who you're going against. It's insane. Um, and as I, you heard the numbers earlier about the 22-yard draw play and the 13-yard run that was on the fumble, but A&M only finished with 56 yards rushing. Incredible. Um, and the players that I, that really stuck out to me, and I haven't watched the replay, obviously. This is just fresh off my mind as I'm on the road here uh, on 6th South, heading back to Houston right after the game, after writing a story. Uh, Derek Brown was a monster in the first half. I don't know what his final stats were because, in fact, there was a little bit of a discrepancy uh, based off of what Auburn thought Brown had and what AM or the scorekeeper had. But I, I thought Brown had two sacks in the first half, and then he had another one in the second half, this early in the second half. Um, he was taking on double teams, just pushing people around, nearly had an interception that he would have returned for a touchdown on the short field, but it was just outside his reach. It touched his fingers, he said, and he said he really thought he was going to have it. Man, if he caught that, he certainly would have been a front runner maybe in the Piesman race um, if he had caught that. And, and return for a touchdown. But I, I tweeted this, and, and I think I tweeted it, but I at least wrote it in my analysis piece right after the game. I, I think, you know, one game doesn't change someone's stock, really, in the NFL usually. But if you didn't believe that Derrick Brown's a top-five NFL draft talent uh, in the upcoming draft this next spring, today proves it, man. I mean, he was good taking on double teams, just absolutely affecting the quarterback, Kellen Mond, by pushing guys in his face, collapsing the pocket, and, of course, stuffing the run. And to go along with three sacks, I don't care what the final stats say. <laughs> I don't know what they say, actually, but he had three sacks today um, and a couple of quarterback hurries at tackle. He's not a defensive end, guys. He's not a buck pass rusher. He's a defensive tackle. Uh, incredible performance. Also thought Big Cat Bryant had a great day. He had a, I think he had a sack or two. Owen Papo didn't get, I didn't, I didn't hear his name a lot in the press box. Maybe his name was said a lot in CBS broadcast. You guys tell me, but I thought he played great today. I, I thought he did a good job penetrating and helping stop the run uh, against that Aggies offense. Um, uh, really impressed by Javaris Davis. He's been getting some criticism uh, playing out there. Uh, at cornerback and, and in the defensive backfield, I thought he had a pretty good game today, guys. Nice open field tackling. In fact, nice open field tackling 98% of the time uh, by the Auburn defense, by their linebackers and defensive backs. I counted – I mean, there's probably more because coaches will dissect the film and look at everything, but I only counted one missed tackle 
and it was kind of a bad angle and would have been difficult to have a tackle. But only counted like one missed tackle the entire game. Uh, just great open field tackling. And you got to do that against offenses like A&M, which are trying to dink and dunk and move their way downfield and maybe hit a big player or two in the middle of the field. And, you know, if you want to beat Auburn this year on defense, dinking and dunking the ball is not going to do it. Not unless you have, like, world-class speed like Anthony Shorts or something at receiver. I just – that's not going to work. You're going to have to go deep on Auburn. And so far, for the most part, Auburn's done a good to okay job defending the big pass plays. But Auburn's, like, almost okay with that because they know they're going to stuff teams running the ball and when they get into the red zone and when things get shortened. Now, this is not a bend-don't-break defense. You guys saw that today. I mean, Auburn was up 21-3 to and then 28-10. to They were – doing a very good job all around and really dominated this game. Like I said, it could have been a blowout. Um, it, I mean, Bo Nix hits one of those passes. This game's a blowout. Um, I think A&M's will would have been broken a little bit. Um, but anyway, so moving forward, Auburn's going to host Mississippi State. Mississippi State, I believe they knocked off Kentucky. I know they knocked off Kentucky uh, this weekend uh, at home in Starkville. Uh Mississippi State was playing without its starting quarterback, Tommy Stevens. It'll be interesting to see what his health is heading into this week for game week. But the the strength of that Mississippi State team, guys, is Kylan Hill. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, An incredible running back. And, again, that feeds right into Auburn's strength on defense, run defense. If they slow down Kylan Hill, that should be a game Auburn wins by double digits. Uh, then all of a sudden Auburn's 5-0 and and 2-0 and in the SEC and setting up well moving forward with these, of course, these other road games coming up. And as I said, I said this on the Paul Feinbaum show on, a, what was it, Thursday or Friday maybe? I can't remember. Thursday, I think. I, I said if Auburn goes to A&M and wins, I like their chances to beat Florida. And if they beat Florida and they take care of business against the teams they're supposed to, like Mississippi State, Ole Miss – uh, in Arkansas, the, this Auburn team, if they lose at LSU, which, you know, I, I right now I chalk that up as a loss because, man, LSU looks really good, and it's in Baton Rouge. And Auburn just hasn't done well in Baton Rouge. As we know, they haven't won there since 1999. And LSU's strength, believe it or not, is throwing the ball. Uh, I know you, we haven't heard that in years. Have we ever heard that at LSU? So that kind of feeds toward LSU. And, of course, the game's at home at LSU. But even with that, if Auburn takes care of business and then can go to Florida and beat Florida, sorry, my GPS is telling me i got to turn here in about 10 miles, which means the podcast is about to end um, because I don't want to lose track of where I'm having to go. Uh, (laughs) uh, So if they take care of business and beat Florida and these other teams and then head into that November span, with only one loss, with Georgia and Alabama coming to Jordan Hare Stadium, I think you're gonna you could very well see a 2017 scenario setting up where Auburn Auburn ha- obviously has a path to the SEC championship game. But I'd say I'd like it at that point, especially <clears throat> excuse me, especially if the offense continues to improve. The offense has to improve, pass offense does. But as Gus Malz on the receivers said. You know, a lot of these guys have been banged up, whether it's Will Hastings and Eli Stove sitting out most of preseason camp. 
Anthony Schwartz sitting out most of practices and everything after having surgery on his hand August 5th. Uh, Seth Williams missing a week of practice uh, with an injured shoulder. It's a matter of Bo Nix finding timing and getting in a rhythm with these receivers. And he, he hasn't been able to do that in one way or another with all those players since preseason camp. And so they're having to figure it out during the season. One would think they will improve as the season goes along. If they do that and couple it with a strong rush defense, or excuse me, well, that too, a strong rush defense, but strong rushing offense along with that defense, I like Auburn's chances heading into November with one loss and being in playoff contention and an SEC championship contention with both Georgia and Alabama uh, coming to Auburn. Uh, I really do. I said that earlier this week. I know I picked against Auburn uh, uh, with the Texas A&M game, but like I said, I, I thought if Auburn would beat Texas A&M, it would set them up well uh, for – I mean, I know it's looking ahead, but they got to take care of business and they've got to improve. But um, I, I think this win, more than anything, solidifies, in my mind, any questions about whether Auburn's a top-10 team. I think by far they are a top-10 team. They could be a top five team, you know, heading into November in my eyes, like a legitimate top five team where you're going, they might have a chance to be in the playoff. But, of course, they've got to take care of business, um, you know, against Georgia and Alabama or one of the two and still make the SEC championship game. Uh, But um, just uh, anyway, it sets up well right now for Auburn. Uh, I know that's looking in the future quite a bit, but. Um, I I, th- I think this win against AM is huge. If Auburn makes a run, everybody's going to look and go, much like the 2013 season, even though that game was a little later in the in the year against Texas A&M, when they won that game, that, that put Auburn on the map. Auburn's offense came to life in that game, and everybody kind of got wised up about Auburn. Like, oh, they're, they're pretty, they look pretty good on offense. Um but I know the offensive explosion wasn't quite there today, or Saturday, I should say. Uh, but you saw glimpses. You saw opportunities. There's been some great play calls this year, in my opinion. And they've had wide-open guys. Knicks just has to hit them. And if they, when they start doing that, guys, watch out. This offense is going to be very dangerous. So, there you go. Listen to me being very positive. I know all of you think I'm negative for some reason, but... I see what I see, and I call it like I see it. So, anyway, amazing game for Auburn. Moving forward, the Tigers have got a chance in the SEC, and that's all you can ask for. Two top top 15 wins. Um, well, A&M was number 17. Two top 20 wins, I should say, against Oregon and Texas A&M. One on a neutral site, one on the road. Auburn's first road victory against a ranked team since 2015, which, by the way, was also at Kyle Field against A&M with Jeremy Johnson starting in place of an injured uh, Sean White, I believe. Yeah, yeah, at that point in the season. So, um, incredible. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. We'll have another podcast later this week. Hopefully do a roundtable podcast where we give everybody on, get their opinion so it's not just my boring voice sitting here talking. Thanks for listening to me. Hopefully the audio is clear as I drive back to Houston from College Station and get ready to drive back and head home. Can't wait to get home. All right, guys. As always, I'll see you down the road. 
The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.